0: two guys in the morning right here on C101 that is Dan Rios I'm Hello. Rex Gabriel and uh Dan you know I was kind of inspired this morning cuz I knew we were yeah. going to be talking to uh, my long lost buddy Fred Myers uh-huh. and and I posted a photo from the year that Fred and I uh met in uh, in radio cool. Fred Fred are you there? Yes, I'm here. You, so you were you were actually part of C101 before I was part of c101 you were already visiting program directors and pushing records and stuff like that but your official title because they always called you like record guys so what were you like record promotional guy what was your official title
1: Rec- record schlepper no actually <laughs> uh, I, I did i had two i had two rounds with c101 one was uh when i was with warner brother records yeah. um in 1980 wow and then the second round was with Virgin Records in 1991 through 1998.
0: And that's sort of so, when you would, uh, you'd, you'd come into the, I remember you coming into the radio station, and back then you guys were allowed to take us all on like lunches and dinners and stuff, and then you'd tell us about the album, and we'd, sometimes we'd, we'd get to hear parts of it and whatnot. And it was just such a fantastic time to be alive in radio.
1: Yeah, in fact, I <clears throat> I have this podcast called Promotion Man, and a promotion man was just that. That was our title. Our, when you worked for a major record label, they had reps, promotion reps, and it was men or women uh, that would uh, go out to all the radio stations and try to get the, the songs of these brand new bands on the radio, or even the superstar bands, but... Anything that was signed to your label, that was your um, responsibility. So I have a great story for everybody about C-101 because I don't know if your listeners really realize what an important radio station C-101 is to um, the whole music scene. Because you have to look at it this way. Major radio stations like Los Angeles and New York and Denver and, and, and Houston, Dallas, they may not play a brand-new record right away because they want to make sure that it's, there's a record, there's something there. Yeah. So my story with you guys at C101 is there was this band that uh, Warner Brothers had signed called U2. Heard, and, of, them. heard of them. Yeah, heard of yep. them. Yep. And they had a, their lead track was called I Will Follow. And the, the game that I used to play, and I used to take so much pride in it, was in my territory, which at that time was southern Texas. Um, was how many radio stations could I get on a brand new song when it first comes out? Okay. And in that particular week that we released "You Two, I Will Follow" in 1980, there were three radio stations in the country to add the song, and that's what it was called—an add to the playlist. So one station was was a big station in Boston called WBCN, and then another one in my territory, KLBJ FM, up in Austin. Mm-hmm. And then my, the third station in the country that week was C-101.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And so, yeah, word had it that you guys, I mean, started the police. I mean, you started a lot of bands that um, I don't think the C-101 listeners really realize.
0: Yeah, I don't think people really realize that back then you were, and I don't mean any disrespect at all, <laughs> Back back in the back, Are you talk
1: about my mullet. Is back, that where you're
0: going? Yeah, back in the early '90s, you were just as big a cartoon character as I was, <laughs> because you would come to town with just such a crazy, flamboyant promotional style. Of course, you remember your stunt at being the Pope. I mean, this is back when I showed up to the radio station on Leopard, yeah. and there was an RV parked out front. And as I pull in, there's a guy standing there, completely dressed as the Pope. Really? With the big, he had like the big. Uh, the what was it Lenny Kravitz had? What was, it, what was it that Lenny Kravitz had that you were promoting?
1: All right, so let me tell you the story. So oh that my was, God! We, as a promotion man, you had to try to separate yourself from the past. Oh, you did. So you did. And, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you? What
0: do you? What do you think shaved head and bicycle shorts is all about? You know, I bought <laughs> I, I bought two houses with that.
1: so what happened was you kind of look for a theme right so in this particular case i was with virgin records and lenny kravitz (laughs) had a track called heaven help so i remember going to my pastor at church and i said hey i want those those wafer things that stick on the roof of your mouth i need some of those
0: Those uh, those ti- those tiny flat
1: rice cakes.
0: Yeah, with no are, flavor. They
1: kind of roof your mouth all yeah. the time. they, they, they call it just, the body of Christ. <laughs> they, yeah.
0: it's City's gonna name yeah, after. It's really so good. good with, they're really great with hummus. I don't know why they never served them that way. Yeah.
1: So he says to me He says look I don't even want to know What you're doing with these." And so he gave them to me And then I went to A costume shop And I got a Pope's outfit And I had my intern Who actually had a full beard (laughs) Wear a nun's outfit And then the RV You know Lenny's like The ultimate hippie right So the RV had these beads That you had to like Open up to pass through to get in. Oh, God. There was a booth in there in the RV, so I had a lava lamp, like glopping, and then, of course, I had a CD player and I had tapestries on the wall. Oh. And at the very same time, we were releasing an album by Janet Jackson called Janet that hadn't been out yet. Yeah. You know? so, and as a promotion man, you would get advances. I would get advances on stuff two, three months ahead of the public yeah. so that we could figure out what our singles would be. So. So I, I decided to drive this RV. And, oh, and then I had posters on the side of the RV that said, Are you going to go my way, and Lenny Kravitz? So we do 1,000 miles and 22 radio stations in a week. Oh. And what I would do is pull, I pulled up to the c one parking lot.
0: I'll never forget that. I found that.
1: you, and I think I found Tim Parker and a couple yeah. other people. Yeah. And the deal was that you had to come into the RV, <laughs> listen to Heaven help, and I would bless you yeah. with this wafer. Oh, I was blessed.
0: <laughs> yeah, right there, right
1: there in the RV. I'll never
0: forget. I've got that photo somewhere. I've got to dig that out of the archives.
1: Oh, Hilarious. I wish you would because cause we did. Oh. It. So here is the skinny: with everybody really loving classic rock, and who wouldn't? Because you, you know, you left the look. Nineteen sixty-nine was fifty years ago. That's when Woodstock. Well, in nineteen sixty-nine, there was a plethora of amazing albums that came out that we still listen to to this very day. Oh yeah. So what I. have Thought I, I would do is um, set up a, a platform for promotion people like myself that that we could tell these stories to your listeners because they're funny stories. I mean, I have so many crazy stories. And so the, the podcast that we launched worldwide on Monday is called Promotion Man. Oh, yeah. And it's on all the feeds. And we actually have over 100, I mean, over 500 people in England. We got people in Munich and Paris and the Philippines. So it's, it's already taking off quite well. But the whole point was tell these backstories of these bands, um, you know, that before they became superstars. Um, you know, so, so I have to ask you guys. Remember back in the day when there was a band called Quarterflash? I think they had one hit called yeah. Harden My Heart. Right? I'm going to hide my heart. Swallow okay, right, my that one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to tell you about sort of how Sammy Hagger won't talk to me anymore because <laughs> Sammy was a solo artist, and I think his album was Standing Hampton or something. Yeah. And then we had Quarterflash. And I had a wicked cold. I mean, one of those, like, wicked ones. And I was staying at the hotel down there right on the, on the bay. Yeah, like and the I Omni had to, or something. I, yeah, and I had two bands. I had Sammy Hagar, and I have Quarter Flash. And I have to take them both to different functions. But I had an in-store back when there was record stores. Oh, yeah. And it was the sound warehouse. And so Quarter oh, Flash sweet. was going to sign autographs. So I felt like what I should have done, now I'm looking back, because I'm kind of bummed that Sammy's mad at me, but I should have gotten one of my Warner Brother bosses to come help me, but I didn't in hindsight. So Sammy had to bring himself to C101, which is why he doesn't talk to me anymore. And I picked the wrong horse because I picked Quarterflash. But (laughs) but the truth is, they had they had to do a a autograph signing at the Sound Warehouse, so you know that was my deal there.
0: (laughs) So Sammy got to drive himself to the radio station, and Quarterflash was was ushered around like real rock stars over to the in a (laughs) limo. In
1: a limo. Yeah, in fact, I got to tell you one of my one of my mistakes when I first got my job. Well, when I first got my job, I was twenty two years old. It was 1978. Wow. And my first week on the job, Warner Brothers had just signed this brand new band called Van Halen. And they put them out on tour with Ronnie Montrose, which was another Warner Brother band. But there was another brand new band stuck in the middle called Journey. Mm. So it was Van Halen opening for Journey, who was opening for Montrose. How and weird. And I think everybody knows the track Rock Candy, right? Oh, Yeah. 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 So, my first day on the job was a Monday. Well, Van Halen's in my in Detroit on Thursday, but that Monday I had the Blitz, the brand new Van Halen album. And a Blitz means you pack a, a suitcase and you go to every single rock and roll radio station in your territory, kind of like my Pope trip. Sure. But without the outfit, you know, <laughs> and, you're, yeah. and you're running around trying to get everybody to play this new Van Halen record. So, when I get them into my town, I forgot to get a limo. I just you know, I was brand new and I just forgot. So they all get in my car. So I got Danny Ellen in my car. We go they're hungry, so we go to McDonald's, we get some burgers. And then we go to a radio interview and it was utter chaos. Alex decided that he wanted to show everybody how he could drink his switch small liquor without hands. <laughs> so he's, you know, and so he's got his head cocked back, and he's trying to guzzle this thing. It's going all over, and the poor DJ's going, "Stay away from my electronics, man!" Yeah. <laughs> and David is is usually the the one doing all the talking on the interview. But the funniest part of this story was, you know, we had a a great interview, but it was total chaos. I'm sure when we left the station, the on air DJ was like, "What just happened?" Wow. Right. But I put it so we're back in my car, and we go to the record, uh, radio uh, record store to sign autographs. So we pull into the store, and the parking lot's packed, and it's just absolutely packed. So I'm driving really slow across the front, and there's this beautiful girl on her way into the entrance, and I flag her down and say, "Come here, come here!" And she does, and she's so perturbed because I stopped her from her destination, mm. and I said, "What's?" You know what's going on here, and she goes, "I can't talk to you right now." Van Halen's, you know, here and just leaves, and the band just starts <laughs> cracking up. They just absolutely. And we're that in was the like, car, my, that's great. They were right there. All she had to do was stick her head in the car, and she would have seen all of them because they are in my car.
0: Just to give you the time of day, so your yep. so your radio store uh, stories are are uh, really tell you the truth. You could have written some massive book, and, and uh, it's amazing how now podcasts and iHeartRadio has a ton of podcasts, and uh, you know Dan and I have things that we you know cheat and call a podcast, which are more like bits from the show and whatnot. But your stuff really very easily could have been a book had it been ten years ago. And, and no one knew much about uh, podcasting then. Do you feel a little cheated that you didn't get to write a big, thick, crazy book? Or, or do you feel more comfortable just recording in, with L.A. Lloyd and, and, and partnering up like that and releasing a podcast?
1: All right, I'm going to tell you guys what's going on and, you know, because I love you guys and you're friends of mine. I wrote a manuscript a year and a half ago, and on my way to meet with a ghost writer, which, because when you're, I mean, I can write, but when you really want to do it correctly, you hook up with an author who assists you and helps you to deliver your story.
0: Sure, to get the right and flow, so, to get the peaks and the valleys correct, that
1: kind of thing. All of that. And, yep. and then, of course, they have, you know, and so the guy I was going to see in New York, his name is Ellis Hennigan. And he's written about 15 bestsellers. In fact, his next book that's coming out like soon is about the boys who were stuck in that cave in Thailand Yeah. Uh, last year. Okay. So I was on my way to go see him, and a buddy of mine read the manuscript. He goes, oh, my God, dude, this is like the movie Almost Famous. He said, hold on. And so literally, uh, that was a year and a half ago, literally today I'll be on a conference call tomorrow. There's a group of eight of us. Every Wednesday, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Next next Wednesday, um, we get on a conference call because we're pitching a Netflix type of series, oh, a great. weekly series. Um, and so, I we literally have a Hollywood producer. We've got a, what they call a treatment or a bible that that is what you do when you pitch to big time people. Oh, that is awesome. And then I'm actually and then I'm actually leaving for New York um, in about three weeks to. Finally, signed all my paperwork with the ghostwriter and the literary agent. And to be honest, the podcast was uh, to build a base for the book. Um, and so the book's going to be called Promotion Man. The podcast is called Promotion Man. The website is promotion man.com because I tried to buy Promotion Man. They wanted $17,000. Yeah, I'll call it something so else. I, so I put the bash in between, and it was four dollars and ninety five cents.
0: <laughs> that is really cool. So I mean, I can w- when we talk to you, it's it's almost like uh, uh, thinking in the terms of like Bohemian Rhapsody, and because you had really all the different players and the and how how the record industry used to work, you know, not so long ago in the rearview mirror. And uh, yeah, if, and I think people are
1: interested in that, Rex. I mean, sure. I think people. I think people um, really find that back in the day when I used to come visit you guys and take you to lunch and play you the brand new Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, there was nothing like it. Or anybody ever heard it. You know, Um, that was so exciting. It was an exciting time to be in the business because you know the the the, you know the internet has has changed everything. Downloading has changed everything. Um, So this is pre-internet and. And, and when I was on with these, all the people involved in the film, I, I asked them for one thing. I said, look, as much as people want to hear about, you know, sex and the drugs, which has certainly a, had a piece or a role in this, yeah. my whole goal here is I want this to be about the backstories of you two in my car, or Van Halen in my car. yeah, Or yeah. the time that I had to, um, I was with Bob Marley. And Bob, when he toured had a village. There were like 25 people in his band. And he kicked off his <laughs> 1978 Taya tour. I'm on the job six weeks, guys. I mean, I'm 22. <laughs> I'm on the job for six weeks, and I have Bob Marley in Ann Arbor, Michigan, kicking off his tour.
0: So that was your and first experience with marijuana? Oh, no, no. But,
1: I mean, <laughs> Way before no, no. that. I'm a, kid. I'm a kid from Detroit, you know, with three older sisters. <laughs> No, no. So, Bob, here's the skinny. You know how we've all dealt with security guards who have the badge and the uniform, and so they have this power they shouldn't have, right? Yeah. So Bob's crew were smoking so much ganja, it was billowing <laughs> out from the stage. And this is, you know, before they were letting people in. Yeah. And I started getting nervous. as like, well, you know, what if one of these security guards decides to, you know, really press the issue here? Yeah. And I had an older boss named Al Frontera. bless his heart, he's half, but he was out of the Cleveland branch and he came to help me because they knew I was new. And he was getting super nervous and he goes, look man, they bust Bob on our watch in Ann Arbor in the kickoff of this tour. (laughs) You know, we can't have that. And so there were these oscillating fans behind the backstage against the wall. And I spotted them and I said, Al, you go over there and grab that one and pull it, you know, just to the front behind the left curtains. I'll pull mine to the right, and let's just <laughs> blow the pot smoke back toward the band. Let's redirect. <laughs>
0: because, <laughs>
1: redirect the pot because because if there's 25 people, how are we, you know, if it's a band of four, you can go say, hey, guys, cut it out. Oh, up. my God. But how are you going to take a, tell a village who ganja is like water or oh. you know, It's part of their <laughs> culture. <laughs> so that's what promotion is about is stories like that, and we we're releasing an episode a week, so episode number two comes out Monday at six a m central time, and episode one is up now and we did we did a season of eight, and here's the coolest thing that happened for season first our first season, yeah. I was able to see Alice Cooper in Austin. I saw your yeah, I
0: saw your pictures from that. Those are, that looked incredible. Yeah, July
1: 29th. Wow. So so I have a picture on my website um, of me and Alice forty years ago when I look like I'm twenty two. Incredible! Right? Wow. And Alice is standing next to me. And so when I saw him, um, he did an interview. So he actually is, did an interview as our last podcast. And it's amazing the things he told us, um, and I'd love to share them with you. But I'd much rather you hear him say it in his own words, because you know, you look back at the, the sunset, the you know, the sunset rock and roll bands, Riot, um, Motley Crue, all of them, and you listen to Alice feed my Frankenstein, and that there's no question that those you know sunset, uh, L.A. sunset rock bands took most of their whole shtick from Alice Cooper. Just no question. Well
0: I think it's cool the way that you uh, that you've approached your uh, your podcast and I'm sure the, the series of, uh, w- when that comes out is not from just the drug sex rock and roll thing because that I think has a shelf life of about You know, as long as an egg timer. You know, it's you've got to. I I agree. Your stories are just your stories are just funny. It can't be all about naked rock stars running around and doing too much coke. So this is pretty cool that you're approaching it from such a fun uh, perspective.
1: You know, thank you. Because here's the thing: I want every listener to think about it. Whatever your hobby is, whatever your gift is, when you get a chance to explore it, um, like the bands did. When I was with, let's say, the Smashing Pumpkins, they knew that they were signed to a major label. They knew that this was their shot. If they didn't handle themselves correctly and give it all they had, they may not get another chance. And you 2 felt exactly the same way. Van Halen felt exactly the same way. Pretenders, the Ramones, the Talking Heads. I was with all of those bands in the very, very, very beginning, like the very first tours. And they took it seriously. Like the Ramones. Let's talk about them for a second. I mean, there are so many Ramones t-shirts. I don't care where you travel, what country, you're going to see somebody wearing a Ramones t-shirt. And that band, everyone, you know, kind of thought, is this a novelty band? Is this, you know, this punk thing? You know, what is this? Well, Johnny was the leader, and he was extremely serious. I mean, to the point where he was kind of a, you know, a hard ass. Yeah. But after so the band's whole shtick was they would play forty-two-minute songs back to back. It wouldn't even take. Think- all you'd get is a gabba gabba hey, and they were right back to the okay. next track. And after the show, we'd be in the Holiday Inn, you know, back in our rooms, and we'd all camp out in somebody's room. And Johnny would go over every every part of the show and say, "Dee Dee, you missed this. You know, you didn't come in on time here." And that's what I want people to hear. I want to, I want them to hear those type of stories with real rich texture. Very
0: cool. He is the promotion man. I'm going to get all of your uh, your information so we can share that on our uh, website and let people uh, get a good hard listen to this. Can you hang on a second? I got a break for commercials here. It's Fred Myers, promotion man and we'll uh, share it all with you here in just a little bit two guys in the morning on C101 that Fred Myers guy he's so crazy Fred where, where do you uh where do you live right now <laughs>
1: actually I live in Austin I live in Austin Texas.
0: That, that was my radio guy there for a second that yeah, guy it, he's so it. crazy because I know you've done uh, you've done interviews and whatnot and you go is the guy even listening to me on the other side of the thing or it uh, your stuff to me is incredibly important because it has such a history of of really just not being a promotional man, but the fact that you cover you know thirty years of uh, of of where rock and roll was and where it is, and it's amazing to think that a band like you know, Motley Crue is now referred to as classic rock, as well as like Rush. You know, so we play we play a little bit of everything over here. But you know, you're never going to make everybody happy, and I'm sure you found the same thing doing uh, doing promotion that you just couldn't make every PD across the uh, country happy because you know it's it's like oh Van Halen's great, and then another band oh I hate Van Halen. It's like you know oh here's here's Carter Flash, she's sweet as a peach. Yeah, well everybody don't like peaches. So it's kind of, <laughs> kind, of, kind of hard to spread that stuff around, but you seem to do such a great job at that, and we want to definitely share uh, your podcast uh, uh, information before we break. Do any parting words or a story for us before we, uh, before we have know, to cut you free?
1: First of all, thank you for having me. I mean, again, the listeners really need to understand that C-101 is a legendary radio station in the music business, always has been and always will be. And Classic Rock has now spanned three generations, so if you know your family, your parents, your children that love Classic Rock, um, they'll love this podcast. Because, you know, I keep it pretty PG. It gets a little bit R, but it stays pretty PG. And, you know, I, I think everyone needs to know that this radio station that we're on right now is the one. It's pretty cool that you want to be listening to.
0: You, you mean I'm not going to hear, you know, 10,000 F-bombs? Because why is it that every single podcast I listen to, it's like the guys that are talking are just like, I can throw the blank word? Well, let me just uh, open the door and pour out the blanks. Mm-hmm. They're just, it's uh, it's it's almost like the, the, the F-word for the sake of the F-word. And it just, you know, it, the shock value goes away really quickly.
1: I'm pretty sure we did it twice in eight episodes, so no. it was appropriate when we used it. Look at you, a podcast for children. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll <laughs> children.
0: Fred Myers, uh, promotion man. I'm going to get some more of your info uh, right here in a second. C101 rocks, but you know, thanks to guys like Fred Myers, we've been doing it now. How many years is this, Dan? He's uh, 43 years, man. Unbelievable.